Alrighty, this is the uh, big episode 10 that we've all been talking about. There's been so much hype. It's uh, it's a lot of pressure, but glad I was able to get to the microphone today. Really, really happy to be here, happy to be alive. Thanks for listening. So what's cool about making this podcast, besides getting free therapy is that it really does challenge me to think about a lot of things that have happened in the past and it just brings up a lot of funny memories and um in today's episode i just wanted to talk about something that i think is always super funny uh it's a it's a conversation that i've had with my brother like a million times now where we look back on how we behaved when we were kids and how if we had continued behaving this way as adults, we would have probably been dead or gone to jail um, because you're allowed to do certain things as a kid because you're expected to be stupid. But when you become an adult, you just get thrown in prison. So... (laughs) When I was a kid, because my brother and I came from Oklahoma and moved to New York, we were just these two little hillbilly kids living in New York in the fucking Hamptons. And we just had this like extremely unhinged spirit about us where we would do things that like our wealthy neighbors would frown upon because my brother and I, we didn't have any money growing up. So yeah, we were just like probably seen as like riffraff and especially my brother. Um, so we had this ride on lawnmower. It was red. It's kind of old school. It's like one of the earlier models of the, the ride on lawnmowers, like probably from like the eighties or, or the nineties. And My brother used to drive it down the street, like all the way down the street, like houses and houses away. And one time he was driving it. He was like probably 13. He was like, get on. So I climb onto the back of this lawnmower. We're just driving it down the street. And he pulls into this driveway of a house that's under construction And he starts riding it up the dirt mounds that are there that they've like been piling dirt on top, you know? And he starts like, there was this little slider on the left-hand side. Um, And it was like on one side, all the way to the left, there was a turtle. And all the way to the right, there was a rabbit to signify the speed. And so my brother was, you know, driving it near the turtle speed but once he got to this house and he saw this ramp this potential ramp he just flicked this thing all the way up to the rabbit and we just take off and we hit this like little ramp pretty much it's like pretty steep and it's so steep that i fall off the back of the lawnmower like i have to like pretty much bail out and he's just like riding it all around this person's (laughs) all around this person's property in broad daylight. And we used to do stuff like that a lot. Like we would just break the law, but in like a really hillbilly way. Like we weren't trying to hurt anybody, but but we just thought it was super funny. So like a couple more things that I look back on that I think are just super funny that we got away with them in hindsight. One thing is that 
Oh, and by the way, as a disclaimer, um, these are just creative stories and they're not real. So I can't go to jail. That's how it works. It's podcasting. I think that's how TV works as well. That's how OJ Simpson got away with writing a book saying if he if he had done it or maybe that's double jeopardy like you can't get tried for the same crime once you've been found innocent that could that sounds really um that sounds like the right answer but i think there is a statute of limitations so what i'm about to say i don't think i can get in trouble for anymore anyway uh so when we moved houses there was this abandoned house, two houses down. I don't know how we found out that it was abandoned. I don't think I was the one that went there first. I'm pretty sure that my brother just came home one day and in a very typical my brother kind of way, just said, hey, come on. I was like, what, what, where are we going? He's like, dude, just come. So I like follow him a couple houses down he just opens up the garage door of this house like it's his own house. And the garage is just full of stuff. And I'm like, whose house is this? He's like, it's abandoned. So we so we walk around the garage and then he's like, oh, there's a basement. So we go into the basement. We spent like two hours in this basement just walking around, picking up trinkets, exploring. And then we went upstairs and then walked through the house. And the house is decorated in a 1970s wallpaper. And it definitely hadn't been lived in for at least like a few years. And it just had this like very creepy California 1950s Black Dahlia murder vibe about it. Like I felt like the killer was still living in the house. I don't know if anybody died in it, but that's just the way that it felt. Like people were still living there, but their lives had been cut short. So we uh, we explored there um, for a few days in a row. We just kept coming back and like treating it like it was storage wars. Uh, if you're German and you're listening to this, Storage Wars is a show. I'm pretty sure they have an equivalent of it in Germany. If they don't, that'd be a really, that'd be a very good show uh, to rip off and bring to Germany. I feel like Germans would love that show. They'd be like, "Oh, what's behind the lamp over there? That looks very shiny. Ooh, I'm going to get that one. I'm going to bid the highest amount to buy that one." And then there'd be like the crazy character who wears the, the skull gloves. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I like this one. I have a good feeling about this one. Yeah, I'm going to definitely put all in on this one. Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm not funny. <clears throat> but um, but I definitely think I I have a serious condition. So don't don't judge. Um, I can't control those voices. So anyway, let's, uh, let's get back to the story. Um, we went there a few days in a row and it was a thrill, but then by the end of it, my brother just became a little bit chaotic, like a little bit like, uh, I wanted to say chaotic, but he was more like unhinged, like, like there was mayhem within him. So I go there one day and he's like, dude, I found a fire extinguisher. And like 30 seconds later, he's just spraying the entire house with a fire extinguisher. And that was the last time that we went there. We actually um, brought a friend there to hang out as well one day. I think it was like the day before that. So it started to become the spot until that happened. And then we were kind of like, okay, this is probably, now we're probably going to get in trouble if anybody finds this here. Um, I used to hit golf balls in my backyard. So... We had a backyard that faced the woods. And for reasons that I will never know, one day we decided, me and my friend Andrew, that we were going to uh, face the direction of the houses next to us instead of the woods and start teeing off at houses. So we just started hitting the ball as far as we could across the lawn 
um, not like in a way where like we were doing it from the back all the way in the backyard at an angle so that it wouldn't go and hit our direct next door, but it would hit the house next to them. There was a guy that lived there. His name was Beep. See, I had to censor that because that's how you get in trouble. And um, so this guy, I won't mention him, but he had a two-syllable name. Um, And it was one of those names that like when you hear it, you automatically know that they are like 75% a pedophile, like very high chance. And um, yeah, we, we always thought that he was a pedophile. Like he just gave off very creepy vibes. So anyway, me and Andrew were just like using the driver and hitting golf balls at his house. And we finally like whack his house and he comes like he runs up to the window and he sees us and we just like panic and run the fuck away. And I don't think he ever came over to say anything because we didn't like break anything. We just hit his house with a golf ball. But yeah, that was pretty terrifying. I thought we were going to end up in like the Lovely Bones movie. That's what the guy looked like. Like with the glasses and everything. And kind of like a thin pencil-y beard. Another time when I graduated uh, from high school. is like the year after I graduated. Me and a couple of friends whose names I won't mention. Because I don't want to get them in trouble. Uh, We had this really like interesting dynamic in my group. So... Oh, fuck. I might have already mentioned. Damn, I need to be careful because now I might potentially give away names. Um, If you listen to a past episode, I don't know. I actually can't remember if I've mentioned them, but it doesn't matter. The point is, uh, I definitely went through like a bit of a stoner phase when I was in my freshman year of college and then probably until senior year of college. It was pretty heavy, actually. Um, We would go, it was me and one of my friends who graduated like at the bottom of the class. That was one of my friends and I had known him since fourth grade. Then I had another friend who graduated as the valedictorian. So I was directly in the middle of like the worst student and the best student in our school. It was like a sitcom plot and we would go all around town and smoke weed. But my town was very strict about weed. So if you got caught with weed, you were pretty screwed. Well, for some reason, we thought it was a good idea to drive to my elementary school into the parking lot and smoke weed there. Then we drove behind the school onto like the handball court and parked there and smoked weed. Then I drove across the entire school yard and then parked back where we were again and smoked weed. And then while we were like hanging out there, the friend that wasn't, you know, at the top of the class, (laughs) he was like, Hey, yo, do you guys remember when we used to get chocolate milk on Fridays? And me and my other friend were just dying. That's actually how he talks. And we were like, oh man, that that chocolate milk was so good. And we were like, oh, I wonder if they still have it. So we crawled into the school through a window. And this is all hypothetical, by the way. I don't know. I don't know what the statute of limitations is. But it was just a joke. It's all a joke. I don't want to get in trouble. So we climb in through the school. It's like the Nickelback song, um, Photograph, uh, when he talks about breaking into the school, except we only did it once. And so we climb in through the secretary's window, and then we go up to the refrigerator where there's the chocolate milk, and they still have carried the tradition on. And we just get a shit ton of chocolate milks, and then we just walk around the school, go into all the classrooms, drink our chocolate milk, make really loud noises and we're just like cracking up and as as we're leaving the school it's like two it's like maybe 1 30 in the morning as we're leaving the school we start hearing that there's people cleaning the school now we're like actually freaking out 
So we go Mission Impossible and we're like actually like crawling through the school and we go back into the secretary's office and we like jump through the window and I try to like put the the uh the screen back on the window and I'm pretty sure I just ended up throwing the screen over the fence like <laughs> so scary. Fuck. Um and it, it was just so exhilarating. And then, um, yeah, we just left and that was it. Nobody, nobody ever said anything, man. There was this kid that I met. He didn't go to my school. He went to a different school. Like he went to the private school in my town. I didn't know him at all. But one day one of my friends was like, Hey, if you want, you can, um, you can always hit this kid up for weed. And this was when I was like 18 years old. So I text this kid and he's like, yeah, man, come through. So I go to his house, gives me the weed. I leave. I did that again. And then I did it one more time. So one day I text him like a few months after I had first met him. And I'm like, hey, man, do you still sell? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can come over. So I go to his place and there's a bunch of cars on the driveway. When he answers the door, I ask, yo, are you having a party? And he's like, nah, it's my dad's wake. And hands me the weed. I hand him the money and I leave. It must have been like a year later. I see in the local newspaper that this kid had driven up to the beach in his gold Mercedes And he was just sitting in his car and a car pulls up next to him with a middle-aged man and he signals for the middle-aged man to roll down his window, which he does. Middle-aged man's like, hey, how's it going? And the guy's like, yeah, do you need anything? Middle-aged man's like, what do you mean? He's like, do do you need anything? Are you good? He's like, what do you like? What do you have? This guy tries selling this middle-aged man drugs at the beach during the day in his car. What he doesn't know is that this middle-aged man is the police chief. He should know this because this guy is like a very, it's a small town, right? (laughs) Well, anyway, the police chief was like, you know, calling in reinforcements as he was placing his order with this guy and yeah the dealer got caught and he had like a ton of shit on him and then he went to jail and then a few months later he was he killed himself dude i have no idea why i told you that story but it all felt like it was like it it was all like sequential you know it's like it's a representation of like when you're like a little kid and things are fun and really silly you're riding lawnmowers like it's a car on the street. And then, you know, those same decisions, they just get more and more dangerous. And then eventually, bad stuff can happen. I did so much random shit when I was a kid. Like... So I was notorious for working at restaurants for like three to six months and then leaving. That was like my MO. I don't know why. I I think it was at that time. um, I worked at restaurants from the time that I was 14 until the time that I was 18 or 19 or 20. Actually, I even worked at a bar at Michigan. So two bars at Michigan. So I guess until I was like 23. But when I was a little kid, a little kid, when I was a teenager, I would work at restaurants like every summer and during the school year as well. And there was, I don't know if you just heard my stomach roar very loudly, but there was this restaurant that was really cool in my town. It was co-owned by Bon Jovi, Renee Zellweger, Ron Perlman, 
I don't know if anybody else invested in it, but it's called the Blue Parrot. It was like the coolest, one of the coolest places. And it was very low key. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't find it unless you were in this parking lot um, in East Hampton. But it was just like a really nice place. And when I worked there, there was like a very common practice that people that worked there did. And that was like, they would bring weed to work and then smoke in the back alley. Well, I somehow survived my first summer there. Um, There were a lot of interesting characters, lots of them. Uh, There was a bartender who was heavily addicted to cocaine and was like, had serious uh, Jekyll and Hyde vibes. Like sometimes he would like smile at you, but there'd be like nothing in his eyes. Like he was like, he was in a murderous rage. And then he would just say like the most biting thing, like so sarcastic, so mean. And then other times he was an actual dick. <laughs> so he was pretty much always an asshole. Um, but there was this manager that was there and he was extremely charismatic, really, really nice guy. I don't want to blow up his vi- uh, up his spot because I know that he's on LinkedIn. So I'll just, you know, keep it. Uh, but anyway, very, very nice guy. Awful drug addiction. And, you know, I don't know exactly what he was addicted to, but um, I just heard that he had done and said some pretty questionable things to other coworkers. And you know, some of it was drug related. And one night he calls me up like out of the blue. I'm just driving around with my then girlfriend. And he's like, Hey man, where are you right now? I told him I'm driving around with my girlfriend. He's like, Oh man, can you come pick me up? I look at my girlfriend. I'm like, my boss wants me to pick him up. Can I do that? She's like, I guess. Yeah. So she comes with me and I pick this guy up and we have like a 30 minute drive to drop him off where he's going. So I'm driving my girlfriend's in the passenger seat of my 1990 Burgundy Chrysler LeBaron with the plush seats the electronic dashboard, straight pimp mobile. I love this car. So my boss is sitting in the back seat. He's pissed drunk. And he's just like, you know, chatting our ears off. And as we're driving, he just pours the rest of his orange soda on my head. Like the entire orange soda for no reason. And I pull over and I'm like, bro, you got to get out. (laughs) And he's like, well, no, what did I do? Like you just poured orange soda on my head. I felt like it was like an Amanda show skit or like all that. It was just so stupid. And he's like apologizing profusely. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, why did I do that? I'm like, "Uh, okay, look. Let's just forget it, man. Let's just get you home. So anyway, I dropped him off. And uh, he just pretended like that never happened. Like I would, I saw him like at least, you know, for two more months or so after that. And he just never brought it up. So I didn't bring it up either. So that was the kind of place that this was. Like it was a really cool place, but it had a lot of characters like, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of funny people, just a cool mix. So I survived the full summer there. I go to college. When I come back from college, I asked if I could come back for the following summer. They're like, yeah, of course. So the first day of work, the head honcho, so the manager's manager, She's involved with like one of the families. So she's like super wealthy, but she runs the restaurant. 
She's like, hey, everyone, I have an announcement to make. There's going to be no smoking in the alleyway anymore. We can't have that. We've gotten a lot of complaints about it. And if we catch you doing it, you're going to get in trouble. So me and my friends that we were like working there together, we go into my car and we just get baked in my car. We hotbox it in the drive, in the uh, parking lot. So stupid, by the way. And when we're done, we go back into work. And the first hour was fine. It was, you know, like not a lot of people are in yet. And it's kind of like, you know, 5.30 or so before like the dinner rush. But around 6.30 and 7, a lot of people are coming in and I'm stoned off my ass and I can like not hold a conversation. I can't make, eye, I can't even hold eye contact and I'm like having like a panic attack pretty much. And I tried to endure it. I really did. I was like, you know, trying my best to get through it. But I was finally like, I found my manager's manager and I was like, Hey, can I talk to you really quick? And she's like, yeah, sure. What's going on? I was like, I, I quit. And she's like, what? And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, uh, uh, okay, I guess. And then I just left and I drove home. But I was sober when I drove home. <laughs> I just don't want to get in trouble. Anyway, so, uh, and I was also sober at the school. And I also wasn't at the school. I was sober every day, forever. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I, I talk to my brother about this stuff all the time. And, you know, like, first of all, we got super lucky that we were brought from Oklahoma to New York by my mom. Because at that time, I mean, I was five and my brother was seven. Like, we were right around that age where you start going to school and start making like actual friends. And I think that if my brother and I had grown up in Oklahoma, um, I really believe that we would be like meth heads or something. I mean, there's really no, there's no economy there. There's nothing to do. We grew up or we spent like most of our time in Choctaw, Oklahoma, which is just like a really residential place. You know, I kind of want to look it up on Google Maps and see what it's like. I'm sure I would look at it and be like, that's a fucking hellhole. But yeah, if you want to see uh, my origin, you can go to Google Maps and type in C-H-O-C-T-A-W, Oklahoma, Choctaw. And um, yeah, you'll see why I'm so fucked up. So, you know, it just blows my mind that there are people in jail that go to jail when they're like 16 or 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 for really stupid shit. Like, you know, there's just so much stuff that happens when you're young. And if you're lucky and you don't get arrested, you'll look back in amazement for your entire life and say, how did I get so lucky to not go to jail? Like, I understand now why parents freak out about their kids because, you know, kids just do things. They don't know any better. And, you know, everything is, oh, it's fine, 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 until you know, something happens and then they're behind bars. And, uh, you know, when you grow up in a small town, like my, my town newspaper has a section called police. I don't know, this is probably common, but every week they publish every single person that got in any kind of trouble with the police. When and they even published me one time, but I didn't get in trouble. But I was involved um, 
with something that got reported to the police. So when I was, one second, I'm just pushing in my chair. When I was 17 years old, I went to a party with my not girlfriend, but I wish she was my girlfriend, but we were romantically involved, but she wasn't my girlfriend. Why weren't you my girlfriend? Don't you love me? And it was just like a pretty toxic relationship, but um, we went there together and man, that was just such a shitty night. Like I always was the designated driver. So I show up to this party. I'm just dead sober. There was this guy that she was into who was a grade younger. They were going to junior prom. I don't remember. They ended up going to junior prom together. So I don't, I think it was still like winter time. I remember it being cold. So he hadn't asked her yet, but I'm pretty sure he kissed her at this party. So, and this was like a girl that I, I was in love with. And we would say like, I love you to each other already at this point. Very confusing, very toxic. I know a lot of drama. So it was a pretty shitty night because, uh, I knew that she didn't want to be in a relationship with me, but she also didn't want to lose me. So she, you know, continued to say, I love you. And you know, that there could be a possibility, something in the future. So I come out of this party, I'm just in a really bad mood and we're walking her. uh, So me, her and her friend are walking to my car. I'm going to drive them both back to her house and then I'm going to go home. We get into my car, we all sit down. I turn the, the ignition, like the key in the ignition and I look at my dashboard And like, it's the clearest I've ever been able to see through my dashboard, like through the window. I'm like, whoa, holy shit. And then I start noticing that there's glass all over my dashboard. And I realize my fucking windshield was broken. And so I look around, there's glass all over my car. I get out of the car. I look at the hood. There's like a giant dent in the hood of my 1990 Chrysler Baron with plush seats and the electronic um, odometer and display. Such a sick car. Somebody had taken a fucking boulder, like not a boulder, but you know, a really big rock that requires like two hands to lift, like a cinder block size rock. And just for no reason threw through my car window. And I didn't suspect anybody at the party of doing this. Um, I didn't really think about like, I mean, I didn't think I had any enemies, right? I was a pretty nice kid. And, uh, turns out just like something that's very common in small towns is that people from other small towns hear that there's a party in your town and they come to just like cause chaos. So these kids from Southampton, which is like 45 minutes away, came all the way to this party saw my beautiful 1990 Burgundy Chrysler LeBaron with plush seats and electronic odometer and display and decided to just destroy it. So I called the police and um, yeah, there are a few things that will always, no matter what, always make you instantly look uncool. One of those things is when somebody destroys your windshield and you look like a little kid because you have to like, first of all, deal with your emotions. I like snapped my phone in half. I was so mad, but you have to deal with your emotions. And then you also have to wait for specialists to come. It just makes you look like such a little kid. Like just wait until I call my dad. And then, yeah, that was not a good look for me. I'm sure. I think I ended up staying with my car for most of the night and the, my not girlfriend that I wanted to be left. And the reason that I knew that they were from Southampton, if you were curious, was that there was this girl that I knew from Bridgehampton that I used to smoke weed with once in a while. And, um, she was like, Oh, actually I knew, I know who destroyed your car. And I was like, really? Can you tell me who they are? And she's like, no, Actually, I shouldn't. And I was like, come on, please. Who was it? 
And she's like, no, I don't want to snitch. So I was like, why would you bring that up if you weren't going to tell me? She's like, I don't know. I shouldn't have. And I'm like, can you just tell me who it is? She's like, no. So I never got their name. Very sad. Very, very sad to not have gotten their name. There was another time, I mean, <clears throat> my entire childhood, like I, I actually think I died sometime around me turning 17 because my life went from being an actual dumpster fire to being the life like of my dreams. And, you know, I have so much now that I could have never imagined having when I was a little kid, just based on the trajectory that my life went on. So like, <clears throat> let me just give you some really, some like highlights. If you're American and you're a guy, then you'll probably understand the not top 10 on ESPN. It was like the clip of like, it was like 10 uh, you know, 10 clips from professional sporting events for that week where like the athletes did something embarrassing or just like failed to make the play or whatever it was. So when I was, I already mentioned this in the last podcast, so I had Lyme disease for like four years. <clears throat> you know, there were like so many awful moments at that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to go back into that topic, but that was four years of my life where I just like did not know how my body was going to be. One time, one of my knees was like the size of a, um, of like a, a handball, you know, like, like a bocce ball. It was just like giant and filled with fluid. They had to drain it. Then they had to do the same with my other knee. Then one time I tried out for the tennis team and my ankle had swollen up to the size of like a golf ball. And they were like, sorry, we can't let, we can't let you um, try out for the team. Like you need to go to the nurse. And, um, and you know, there were just so many uh, things that happened with that. But like, even beyond that, when I was going through this like period of time from like 14, so when I was 14, my brother moved out and it was a really fucked up situation. He was 16. He went to go live with his girlfriend, but he ended up still going to my school and we hated each other. And he was like one of my bullies at school, like legit. He spread rumors about me at in high school and he said that I shoved baby carrots, <laughs> baby, baby carrots. He said that I shoved baby carrots up my ass while watching the Food Channel. That was one thing that he said. He said that he caught me masturbating to the Food Channel one day after school. The problem with that story was that he was not living at my house and I hadn't seen him. I hadn't talked to him in like eight, eight months to a year at that point. So he was just like telling people like random shit, you know, like, and people just didn't know that we weren't living in the same house and he just like bullied me. <clears throat> so yeah, one year of, so one year of high school was just like completely fucked for that reason. Cause we'd see each other in the hallway and I'd be like, oh my God, I fucking hate that kid. It's my brother. You know, it's like a kid that I grew up with. <clears throat> Um, then there was this like phase that I went through when I was, I just went through like a bunch of phases. Um, I don't know. Like I just had this, like, I had a very awkward phase, I guess you could say. Um, I think it had to do with not being like I was on medication 
I was on ADHD medication. So I was on ADHD medication and I had Lyme and it was like eighth grade and I was just like super awkward. I always, I couldn't smile, like legitimately could not smile. I was like so speeded out all the time. I don't think I got off my meds until like 10th grade, but I was just like always so serious looking. And, you know, like in 10th and 11th grade, it didn't really like my life didn't really get that much better um, in a lot of ways. And then, you know, by 12th grade, like things were looking up a little bit um, because there was finally a girl that was like interested. And that was pretty cool, actually. But I just found that like there was such a long period of time from like the time that I was like a really young kid until I was like 18 years old where like things were just not going well. One time my mom won a scratch off from the newspaper for $150,000. I'm in the living room. She's jumping up and down. That money meant a lot to us. We didn't have any money. Um, My mom was driving a school bus. There was just not a lot of um, financial abundance around us. And um, she wins this 150000 She's jumping up and down, blah, blah, blah. We find out within a week from the Daily News that was, or the Daily Post, or the New York Post, uh, that it was like a mishap. They had misprinted the numbers. And so all of these people thought that they had won $150,000. My mom was one of them, only to find out that it was all a mistake. Or at least that's what they said. So that was a, that was a pretty, pretty screwed up one. And yeah, I mean, just like looking back, I don't know. It's, it's funny because when you're actually experiencing a lot of this stuff, you know, it's like really like, it feels like end of world shit all the time. You know, like the world is crashing down around you and like, you're just kind of scrambling, trying to like pick up the pieces. But looking back, it's like, I'm so grateful that a lot of this stuff has happened. I mean, there's just so much shit that like I want to say, but I just don't even want to go into it right now because it's like almost my bedtime. I feel like a lot of things have, you know, their own episode if they want it. But when you're just like a little kid, your perspective is just so different. And by the time that I turned like 19 or 20, things still really weren't going the direction that I was hoping that they would go. It was still really difficult to afford college. And I was like, you know, in the middle of transferring and stuff. But, um, you know, the theme of the episode was really like the things that you do when you're like a little kid are funny. But when you become an adult, you can get in serious trouble. And I know for a fact that every straight kid out there, every straight boy, I should say, had a crush on one of their friend's moms. I was talking to my brother about this the other day. Like the concept of a little boy having a crush on a woman is so harmless, but what would have happened to my psyche if I had actually, like if my fantasies had actually come true and one of my friend's moms had just like, I don't know, like I don't want to go into graphic detail, but you can kind of imagine where I'm going with this. If my fantasies had come true, I really think that that would have fucked me up. Like there were kids that had sex for the first time when they were like 13 or 14. And I feel like that just like never leaves you. Like it's just something that like I was 17 years old when it happened for the first time. It was like the greatest. I had like (laughs) six and a half, seven years of straight anticipation for that moment. But if I was like 12 or 13 or 14, when that had happened for the first time, I actually think my heart would have stopped and I would have died. Or I would have just like become a cocaine addict or something. I don't know. But kids are just so unrealistic about the way that the world works. Like they have no idea. If one of my mom's friends had said, oh, you're so cute. You make me feel so young when you look at me like that. 
and then had brought me to, I hope that's not what she had said. That doesn't sound even like that hot, but then had brought me into a room and whatever would have happened, it would have happened. Can I imagine, can you imagine if you're a guy listening to this, being in a relationship with your friend's mom, actually how fucked up that would be and how that would destroy your friendship with them. And also how weird that would be if, if you were just like a little kid and they were like a full grown woman and you're sitting across from her at the dinner table and she's like, Hey, Macklin, can you pass the mustard? And you pass her the mustard and she's like, "Uh uh-uh, elbows off the table, mister. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck kind of dynamic would that be? Man, we want shit that we don't understand. I genuinely believe that like much of the things that we fight for you know the ideas of things when we actually get them and we realize that they're not that great we don't even know what to do with ourselves like that i mean it's like that expression what what happens when the dog actually catches up to the car so you know i think about a lot of random shit and it's very fortunate for me that i have a brother that remembers a lot of the random shit that we did when we were kids before I jump off here, um, I don't know what the point of today's episode was. I mean, I thought I did, but you know, it doesn't, I don't know if I did, but one of the things that my brother and I did that I'll always cherish for my entire life is my mom had this giant sound system when we were living at that house where we used to drive the lawnmower down the street. And my brother plugged in his iPod And I have no idea to this day why he had sound effects on his iPod, but he had like all of these tracks of sound effects. And one of the tracks was gunshots, but it was like, it sounded like a a gang shootout, like with automatic weapons and like, pa, pa, pa. So... He puts the volume on the sound system up as loud as it can possibly go. My mom had subwoofers and he's just blasting gunshots. And then we're just both laughing and screaming, pretending that we're being shot at. And our next door neighbors were our landlords. And one of them comes running over, but we could see like directly their side door where they would come out from our living room. And my brother was like, oh shit, oh shit. He like turns down the volume. And we just pretend like we're like, you know, hanging out, not doing anything. And the neighbor's like, oh my God, what's going on over here? I just heard all these noises. You boys are screaming. Is everything okay? We're just like, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. And of course, the minute she goes back inside of her house, we blast it again. We start pretending like we're being shot. You know, those are the things that like, I'm so grateful for those memories because I'm never going to be that age again. I love my brother. Very grateful that we had those moments together because that shit is so funny and it's never in my mind, never not going to be funny. I just hope that like when my kids do that shit, like I just take a step back and I'm just patient and I realize they're just kids you know, and the more times that I try to control them and tell them, try to show them the world through my own eyes, the less time they're going to have to make little asses out of themselves. And I think it's really important that kids get to be buttheads. Otherwise, what's the point of being a kid? So, here's a promise to my children. If they ever find episode 10 of the pod... And they point to this specific timestamp. I don't know where we're at. One second, let me tell you. If they ever point to somewhere around the 48 minute mark and say, Dad, you literally said in this podcast that we could we could be budheads. I have to let them be budheads for the rest of their childhood. I would I don't miss my childhood like I enjoyed it while I had it. Uh, I wouldn't go back if I could, but I had such a good time during my childhood, like through all the bad stuff, all the moments where like I was scared and in pain and shit like that. 
it was just so carefree, you know, like I used to hit golf balls in the backyard. One time I had one time. So we used to, me and my brother would do it together a lot and we would tr- uh, take turns having to like be the one that picks up the balls from the, from the woods. And one time I told my brother that I didn't have any left. He's like, Oh, I don't have any either. And I was like, all right, we well, got to go get him. So he's like collecting them from the backyard. And I pulled out the one that I was hiding from my back pocket, put it down on the tee. I hit it with the driver. It beelines directly into my brother's fucking forehead. (laughs) He's picking up a ball and he's facing me. And as I hit it, his eyes drift up towards the direction of the ball because he hears the noise and it just hits him straight in the fucking head. And he just howls at the top of his lungs and then charges after me in a rage. And I run inside the house. My grandma's there because it's Tuesday. Every Tuesday she came over and I'm like, mom, mom, John's trying to kill me. John's trying to kill me. And, you know, my mom, of course, thought that my brother was you know, doing something wrong. So, you know, immediately she kind of stands in between the two of us and she's like, Hey, no, do not try to kill your brother. And he's like, he just hit me in the head with a golf ball. But my mom's already not listening. She's like, I don't care what he did. Do not try to kill him. (laughs) And then I wonder why my brother always said that, you know, he had a fucked up childhood, but you know, that's life. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this. I uh, I gave you guys 40, almost 50 minutes uh, of my sleepy time, which I was going to try to get. But, you know, sometimes you just got stories that come to your mind. You just got to get them out, you know, in case tomorrow I get hit by that smart car and that's it. So I would have never gotten this story out if I didn't tell you guys on the pod. All right. Well, hey, maybe do some homework for me uh, before the next episode. Maybe think about some things like some stupid stories from when you were a kid and, you know, things that you would have definitely gone to jail for and, you know, just try to remember those memories. Hopefully they're funny and nobody got, you know, you didn't try to like, um, rob anybody of their, their, their lunch money and try to kill them or anything like that. And yeah, just, you know, try to try to think of those moments. I always find that those little stories make me really grateful for what I have now because, you know, it's almost like despite all those odds, I still came out without a prison record which is pretty phenomenal by my mom's standards for sure all right everybody well i hope you have a good rest of your night and i will see you in the next episode